Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Josh Thoughts official sports podcast. Official or non-official, you can uh, decide that by yourself. But um, basically, we're back, guys, and um, we're going to be going into a really interesting topic today. At least it's really interesting to me, and it kind of has to do with drafting and draft picks regarding the NFL. Um. If any of you guys have been waiting for non-NFL content, that is going to come in the next episode where I'm going to talk about some NBA stuff um, briefly. It's kind of going to be Celtics related, so um, if that doesn't uh, nauseate you too badly, depending on what team you like in the NBA, then definitely tune in for that one. I'm going to be talking a lot of Kyrie, um, as he has really been... You know, a big a big part of kind of Celtics history recently, Justin, you know, I guess he's not a big part of Celtics history, but he was highly involved with the Celtics and there was some fallout after he left the team. So we're going to go into all that. But today we're going to talk about the ballad of Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Um, you know, maybe not officially a ballad yet, but these guys are connected and they will be connected for the entirety of their NFL career. And if you don't know why that is, I'm just going to jump into kind of the story between these two guys. Why is there a significance? Why is there a connection between them? So, you know, basically this past NFL draft... Um, Mac Jones and Trey Lance were two of the um, two of the top quarterback prospects um, coming out in the draft. So this past draft, you know, if people weren't aware, there was a lot of really interesting, really good quarterbacks, you know, coming out in the draft. You had, of course, Trevor Lawrence, you know, the golden boy of college. Clemson, just winning everything, you know, great physical talent and uh, performed well at the college level. Um, and then, you know, kind of going into the draft, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of research that gets done on these different quarterbacks. So some of the top guys was, you know, you had Trevor Lawrence, and then there was kind of a bunch of other guys. People really thought of Trevor as kind of being the top guy for so long that it almost seemed inevitable that he would be the first overall draft pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were um, in need of a quarterback. You know, not trying to take any digs at Gardner Minshew, but Gardner Minshew isn't the type of guy that's going to raise your NFL team up completely. You know, he's a guy who I think, personally, I think could be a part of a good team or a great team if he had a lot of things around him, or maybe he could have the ability to improve into a player that's really a game changer. But at the moment, I don't think he, in himself, is a game changer on an NFL team, you know, and that, you know, that kind of bears its, him, itself out. If he really was a game changer, some team would have traded for him from the Jaguars and would be starting him instead of where he is now, which I think he's backing up on the Eagles. Even if he isn't a backup on the Eagles, he's a backup somewhere, um, which shows that 
he has work to do himself if he wants to prove that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I have no doubt he's a great, um, great backup material. You know, he did a lot of good things when he played for the Jaguars. They kind of had injury issues with Nick Foles. He came in, did really well, um, and, you know, played scrappy, played hard, and um, definitely earned my respect as someone who could totally be a backup. But he would have to show me a little bit something different if he wanted to kind of get to that next level. So setting the stage, you know, for the draft, you had the Jaguars picking first. They were probably going to take a quarterback. You had the Jets picking second. They were definitely going to take a quarterback. They just had unloaded Sam Darnold, who was the quarterback they had drafted a few short years ago down to Carolina. Then you had third, the 49ers, who really needed to take a quarterback. You know, they have Jimmy G. They like Jimmy G. The problem with Jimmy G, of course, is he gets injured every year. And when you have it, you can't have a guy that just gets injured every year because, you know, you're never going to reach your potential as a team. And even if you want to keep that guy, you need someone, you need a good second option if you think he's going to get hurt, which is kind of what they did this year, you know. And then... Moving down the line from there, you have the Patriots who kind of needed a quarterback and the Bears who kind of needed a quarterback. The only other team that maybe needed a quarterback was the Lions, although they had just traded the Rams for Jared Goff. So people were thinking, well, maybe they stick with Goff Goff for a year or two, even though a lot of people in the league think that he's not great, you know, including myself especially being a Patriots fan, watching Super Bowl 53, watching him only be able to get three points with that offense when there was definitely opportunities in the game to capitalize. Not saying it's easy, but, you know, these guys are the best of the best. We're judging them compared to each other, you know. It's it's silly to pretend that, you know, all the guys in the NFL are incredible. If you put them on a college field, they'd be incredible. They'd be better than most college guys. But that's the thing is this is the NFL. Everybody's incredible. So they get compared to each other. So, you know, keep that in mind. When I say somebody isn't good, I'm not saying they're not good in total. I'm just saying they're not good compared to the best who do that in the world, which is, you know, isn't that bad. Honestly, it's not that bad. But this is kind of how we have to talk about things in terms of it's all relative. It's relativity. Or maybe it's not relativity. I think that might be a scientific theory. It's relative in the sense that it's all these things compared to each other. You know, anybody at a professional level is basically leagues ahead of anyone who does anything on a casual level. And as, you know, commentators, people involved with the media, this is well understood. It's not nobody saying, oh, these people are bad. It's you're bad compared to other people. Now, some people do say that in the media. Some people just go, well, this guy's just bad. He's not even bad just compared to other whatever people in any in the sport they're playing. That's ridiculous and kind of shock value commentary, but that's not really what we're what we're doing here, guys. I'm tr- here I'm trying actually to get at some kind of nugget of truth or as best I can, as best I can describe what I believe to be true is what I'm trying to do here. No frills, no fancy, you know, I'm not going to change the way I say something just because of the way it might look to other people. I'm going to just try to say what I think is happening and hopefully that's a really 
hopefully that paints an accurate picture for you guys and gives you something you can walk away with um, at the end of listening to these podcasts. So to get back to the topic, we're actually, you know, talking about you kind of had these different teams that were looking for a quarterback. You had, you know, at the at the top of the QB draft, you kind of had names. You know, you had Trevor Lawrence, you had Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. Those were kind of the big five, I guess, that people were really, you know, looking into expecting great things from, you know, kind of a thinking these are the top five quarterback prospects. And then you had maybe five or six teams that were going to be picking. You know, you had the Jaguars at pick number one, the Jets at pick number two, the 49ers at pick number three. And then you get down the line, you had the Lions at pick number, I think they were at pick number five and then they moved to seven. Forgive me if I don't get the details exactly right. They didn't end up taking a quarterback, so throw the Lions out. And then you had, I think, from somewhere from 7 to 10, you had the Bears, Chicago Bears, who wanted a guy. And then the Patriots were at 15, right? So Patriots waiting at 15, you know, kind of needed a quarterback. They had Cam, who, you know, a lot of fans hated Cam. Personally, I thought he did incredibly for the team. Not that his performance was incredible, but if you look at the amount of money they're paying him compared to other quarterbacks, they basically paid him a million dollars to do what he did, um, which is, you know, less than a ton of guys, very small amount for a quarterback to be making. Um, and I still think it's kind of unfortunate he hasn't found his way onto another team. I mean, the dude, there's no doubt he's an asset. I think the fact that he isn't vaccinated could be a big part of it. And for me, was kind of the final straw in not being upset that the Patriots let him go. You know, even you look at the Patriots right now, they got issues, you know, they got issues. There, There is something to be said of maybe you could have had Cam kind of ride these rougher waters at the beginning of the year. And even though he doesn't do well, you know, that's the whole thing is it's the guy after Tom Brady. The guy after Tom Brady isn't going to be Tom Brady. There's only one Tom Brady. There's no, you're not going to bring in a person and they're just going to supersede, you know, one of the greatest, smartest players in NFL history. Even though right now Brady isn't at the top, top of his game, he still brings so much to the table that people just, other players just don't have right now. And some players do, but like, you can count them on one hand, the people who you'd rather have over Tom Brady right now, you know, or at least that's how I feel about it. I know guys maybe have better physical abilities or whatever, but you got to remember too, him as a coach on the field, him as a diagnoser of defenses, him as a person who tries to minimize his mistakes more than he tries to, you know, necessarily accentuate and take risks on the, you know, living on the edge of the margin of how good your team could be. He's going to make sure you don't ruin it which is what so many teams do all the time. And we see this literally all the time. Turn on the TV on Sunday and you see teams just ruining their, their chances for victory. You know, and that's, a, that's one of the reasons football is, is so exciting. But getting back to these rookies, you know, there was kind of a perception going in. It was a little bit, you know, as people start to look into these five guys, you kind of start to come up with different kinds of 
ideas about who's better or worse and based on, you know, looking back through their history. You know, while the season's going on, you know, not everybody's following these guys so closely. You know, so you have, I guess, at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence had so much hype. He was kind of a Tua-esque figure, but maybe with a little more substance. You know, Tua had all this hype, hype, hype around him. So much hype. And I think part of it is because he was on Alabama and the way he played was explosive. Um, but a lot of this maybe was, you know, overblown with Tua. You know, at, at, when the, at the time that draft happened, he was viewed as better than people like Herbert and Joe Burrow. And now we've seen after time has played out, he is clearly inferior to both of those two quarterbacks. And um, he's a player who's going to be struggling to, you know, be a starter on an NFL roster. That's something he's going to struggle with. And if he does it, it'll be great for him. And if he can't, you know, angle yourself as a backup. It's not a bad thing at all. And, you know... Backups can be really successful, too. A backup, you know, is just a person waiting for a shot. You know, Tom Brady was a backup on an NFL team until he got his shot. He had to work incredibly hard just to maintain being a backup. But that, you know, without that, he wouldn't have made the team. He wouldn't have got his chance. So, you know, you can't put the cart before the horse, you know. If you want to be great in the NFL, you have to do it at any level you can. And then from there, if you can be great and you can establish yourself, then you're going to get more opportunities. Um, so, and, and this thing with Tua actually plays in a lot with Mac Jones. When we get to that, Tua came in with so much hype, but then it kind of fizzled out. And, you know, part of the reason why Tua came in with so much hype is his team was really good. You know, it's Alabama, but the problem is when you're looking at Alabama – they have first and second round picks all over their team, like all the time. So it's kind of hard to judge an individual player. You have a team that basically is successful all the time, no matter who's the quarterback. So it's hard to separate the team's success from the individual success and the part that they play. So Tua had a ton of hype, but he came in and he, and he fizzled out a little bit. Um... Whereas these guys from a little bit more unknown areas, if you consider, you know, Burrow and Herbert, you know, Burrow, of course, had an incredible season, but it's one of those ones where you look at him and you go, well, is he really physically, you know, good enough to bring all that to the NFL? Um, the answer to that was yes. But at the time, people weren't so sure. With Herbert, I don't really know what the issue was. I remember there was people, you know, we knew he was physically gifted and played well. But again, this is one of those things where he kind of got held responsible for some of the things that went wrong on his team that maybe weren't his fault. And these are things that myself, you know, I'm not a quarterback scout. I didn't watch the film. A lot of this information comes from the comments of Chris Sims, who is awesome. If you haven't Listen to him, listen to him. He's one of the only people that shoots it straight and is constantly, consistently right about what he says because he shoots it straight unabashedly. Um, and sometimes he's wrong, but he'll admit it, you know. So it's one of those things where he has a great feel for how different players are contributing to this 
situation of a football team as a whole. You know, and there is certain things I disagree with him on, but it's by very slim margins. It's not like I'm going to be like, oh, you know, this is the thing. If, and I've already talked about this before, if I say I think this guy's the best in the world and you say, no, I think he was like the third best in the world. It's not a, I'm not going to go to a, oh, you're stupid because you basically think he's, you know, we're ranking, you're looking at thousands and thousands of people. One and three are basically the same in that, in that long line and historical, like historical context of the situation. You're basically like right next to each other. So I can disagree and have a conversation about that. It's like if I said to some guy, you know, I love the color blue and they said, I love the color baby blue. And I'm like, well, you're fucking wrong, you son of a bitch. You know, it's just. It, we're basically on the same thing. Like, I could maybe have a conversation with you about why I like it a little bit. You know, royal blue, a little bit darker, and guys, this, has that. But I'm not going to start freaking out at that guy. You know, not that you, people should be arguing about favorite colors anyways. But in football, that's a lot of it. what it comes down to as well is, you know, these guys are our, you know, these can be our favorite players, but, but it's we're talking about hundreds of people. So it's not just so simple. If that makes sense. Um, but anyways, you know, didn't know why people were doubting Herbert so much. He came in. He's been incredible. He might actually be the best young rookie quarterback. I mean, for my money, it's it's him and Kyler Murray at the moment um, of just pe- quarterbacks that look completely unstoppable. Just hot knives through butter with everything they do. Um and they're two incredible players. But let's turn around and talk about this year's, you know, batch of quarterbacks. Because this is what we're all building to. There's a difference. You know, I take a lot of stock in how Chris Sims rates these guys. Because he will look at the film and rate them based off that. Where a lot of these guys, there's a lot of intertwining of hype and what the public thinks. And especially with sports and media shows... You know, the the sports and media individuals, they're trying to ride that wave. They're kind of trying to ride the wave between what everybody thinks and the reality of the situation. And that's where it can get a little tricky because sometimes they have to... It's not that they're choosing ignorance, but they're kind of choosing a mindset, which is the mindset of most normal fans, which is relatively ignorant. You know, as we've talked about before, most fans put way too much you know, of stock on a team into the quarterback when there's a lot more going on. Not that the quarterback can't affect a lot of stuff. They obviously can and can do it in spectacular fashion. But a lot of it is about the team as well and the team composition, how the team works together and the tactics and the coaching is huge because that's going to, you know, the players are going to be fitting into that system. So I'm going to kind of go through... I guess a little bit of the framing of how these quarterbacks were coming out. So you have, you know, Trevor Lawrence, who has done well, but he was on Clemson. So he's done well. He has the physical traits, played in kind of a college type offense, which in college, which by college, I mean, not as complicated as the NFL. So simpler. You're only, you know, maybe reading one or two receivers as opposed to reading the entire play, going from one to two to three to four to maybe five in the certain situations. Um, and then 
you know, so, but, but that's a classic story. A lot of QBs come out like that. But, you know, then as people kind of got into the, you know, the film, stuff started switching around. To tell you, Chris Sims' rankings of the players, he went like this. He went Zach Wilson first, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and then he went to Trey Lance and then Justin Fields. That's kind of how he put it. Um, and to just summarize really briefly, because I don't want to just plagiarize this guy's entire podcast, you can go and listen to all this information and the breakdown's still really, you know, it's good. And, you know, I mean, Sims, just to take one second, even if you're just still sitting there, you're like, enough with the Sims. Look, he was the only guy that was right on Josh Allen, on Lamar Jackson. He was the only one who thought Lamar Jackson could be first in that draft. He eventually changed it to Josh Allen. Allen and Jackson were number three, four, and five on a lot of people's lists. A lot of people were looked at Lamar Jackson as a guy who wasn't even going to work in the NFL, who should literally change positions. So when you, you know, when you look back at these things and you see somebody who's consistently right over years, where other people have been blatantly and obviously wrong, that's somebody who I'm going to put a lot of stock into, and not a lot of people want to give him the props and credit he deserves because of a number of reasons. You know, his personality, his demeanor, his inexperience in the media business, all these other things. But really what he's doing is kind of exposing some legitimate information in a place, sports media, where you don't, as a fan, you don't often get this legitimate information. Because the pill is too hard to swallow. Because it's a little bit too complicated and fans might not really get it. But that's the thing. There's a new crop of fans out there, including myself, who are willing to look deeper and have a little bit of a deeper understanding of this and sometimes put my my fan, my fanatic, fanaticism, fanatic aspect of myself at the door for a brief moment in an effort to get a lot of a deeper understanding on what's going on. So anyways, sorry about that. You know, you know what? Not, I'm not sorry about that. That's, you know, that's a little spiel I had to go into. I might have to go into it again you know, as we go, but this is the, this is the relaxed pod. We're not going to, we're not going to stress too much about what we say or don't say, and we're just going to keep it rolling. So I hope you guys are relaxed. And if you can, you know, even if things are really tough, you know, take a moment to yourself and just a couple deep breaths. You know, it can be hard sometimes with phones. You kind of have a constant stream of information going right into your noggin. And it can be really good just to just to cape, take a couple moments and just go for a walk outside, especially if you can find an area that looks nice or an area with some trees, get some good oxygen-rich air into your lungs. You know, I'm telling you, it can, it can really do a ton uh, to help the mental health and just help you, you know, help you keep going. So I'm just going to lay out what how Chris had these five quarterbacks and then just give a tiny little recap of why because you can honestly if you want the information you can go find the quarterback ranking podcast from this last year that he did great entertainment you know and even if you disagree with him it's it's good to see you know how does the other side see it because he's a legitimate football person and by football person I mean football mind loves the sport 
has been involved with the sport since he was a child. Father played in the NFL at a high level, won a Super Bowl, kind of won two Super Bowls, was on the team for another Super Bowl. And then he played in the NFL. So, dude just eats, sleeps, breathes football, knowledge, information, everything. At the end of his process, he listed them. Zach Wilson, one. Trevor Lawrence, two. Mac Jones, three. Trey Lance, four. Justin Fields, five. His thing kind of went like this. He said, he basically went, Zach Wilson won because he said the kid could do no wrong. He had the physical, everything about him. Physically was great. Throws insane footballs, pinpoint accuracy all over the field. Basically couldn't find a fault with the guy. You know, he said the reason why people didn't like him was his team was bad. Or not that they were bad. They just weren't going to highlight his skills like maybe Clemson or Alabama could. He had Trevor Lawrence too. You know, his thing with Trevor Lawrence was Trevor Lawrence still very, very physically dominant. Throws great passes. But he said sometimes he misses some passes that he didn't think he should. Um, whether it was a lack of concentration, a little bit of a little bit of throwing mechanic issues, whatever it was, he said that was just the little and the fact that he didn't play in as many difficult, strenuous situations as Zach Wilson. That's why he had him at two, not one. This, of course, set the universe on fire because Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be number one for years. So how could he not be one? Oh my gosh, how could he not be number one? You know, not that it, you know, but of course, this is just pure fanaticism, especially when you start talking about college football. I mean, let's be honest. It's a very uh, religious fandom. It's not, you know, not prone to logic. You know, we had the tank for Tua, even though, you know, we all kind of knew or not we all knew, but many people knew Tua wasn't going to be as good as Burrow or Herbert, but yet it was tank for Tua and there's no other options. You know, so that just shows kind of how that sort of college hype fandom, you know, kind of just that bleeds into the mainstream perception of these players, even though it's completely ill-informed, basically. I mean, to be to be frank. Um, so anyways, back to the situation. People couldn't believe he had Trevor Lawrence two instead of one. But that's how he felt about it. He felt that Zach Wilson was a little bit better of a prospect coming in. He had Mac Jones's three. What he said about Mac Jones was not physically the most dominant, doesn't really have a cannon, but he said he was pinpoint accurate, played a very difficult offense, like an NFL-style offense. And at Alabama, yes, he had a lot of weapons around him, but he said Nick Saban put a lot of the offense on Mac Jones. He said more than with Tua. So basically what he's saying is Mac Jones is clearly better than Tua. Even Alabama players that were asked this question took would take Mac over Tua in a in a one V one like which one which one of these guys was better? You know, Mac had a better statistical year than Tua. But I think this what plays into the whole perception of it. Because Tua had kind of come out and it was a little bit of a fatigue with the Alabama quarterback and because he didn't hit the NFL with such a splash that people might have thought, 
those kind of things started affecting Mac Jones' perception as well. Not to mention Mac Jones, he wasn't a star-studded, like, standout athlete. And at the same time as that, he didn't look that athletic. He doesn't look as athletic as some of these other guys. You know, Trevor, Zach Wilson, or even, you know, you look at athletic freaks like Fields and Trey Lance. Way more athletic than Mac Jones. But what Mac Jones did have was the, you know, the brain and the arm that was good enough and he was NFL ready, which is something that not a lot of college quarterbacks are, is NFL ready. So that's why he had him at third. Fourth, he put Trey Lance. You know, but Trey Lance and Justin Fields, he was a bit concerned about. You know, he put Trey Lance fourth. He said, you know, it looks good. You know, the passing was good. The running was good. But Trey Lance, he hadn't played a lot of football up to this draft because the previous season he'd missed because of COVID. And the season before that, he only had played like one or two games because of COVID. And so they were really looking at him playing the year before that. So that's like three years ago. So there's kind of a distance between when he was doing things that was great in college and now. And he hasn't been playing in the interim. And that is kind of a difficult thing too, because when you want to evaluate someone, you kind of want it to be, you know, leading right up to this next year. You know, pro-level football and even college-level football isn't really something you can just drop in and drop out of when you choose. You kind of have to get in there and play to a certain level. And then... um and then over time, that's when you see, you know, a lot more of the real tendencies of the player. You can't really judge someone too well when they're just jumping in and out of the lineup constantly. Um, and having big stretches where they're not playing. So his thing with Trey Lance, it wasn't only that time, but it also was some issues with the throwing. He wasn't executing difficult offenses like a Mac Jones or a Zach Wilson, and he wasn't making maybe some of the jaw-dropping throws of a Trevor Lawrence. So it kind of becomes, there's questions about, is he going to be successful in the pass game or not um, at the NFL level? And to Justin Fields, it was kind of a similar issue, like physically physical freak, can throw the ball really far, hard, do a lot of things, but there were some questions about the throwing motion and certain throws, certain reads that stuck out to Sims as these are kind of red flags for this is some stuff you can't do in the NFL. So because of those red flags, he had Trey Lan um, Justin Fields at five behind Trey Lance at four. So coming into the draft, again, to lay it out, you know, Jags are taking a quarterback. They're at number one. Jets are taking a quarterback. They're at number two. San Francisco traded first-round picks, a couple of first-round picks, to go up to number three to be able to draft a quarterback. And then there was going to be a couple. And then there was going to be the Bears were probably going to take somebody, and then the Patriots take somebody at 15. So, the perception of everybody outside of the Chris Sims world... Because I pretty much take Chris Sims' quarterback rankings as chalk. But after, you know, after the Lamar... You know, the Josh Allen, he said Kyler would be incredible, even though a lot of people were saying, oh, he's too short, comes in, is incredible. So I basically view that as chalk, unless there's some legitimate information that would make me change my mind. Um, he was convinced San Francisco was going to take Mac Jones at three, because the way he saw it was 
San Francisco's ready to win now. You have Kyle Shanahan who can make an awesome offense and can make people open. Everybody knows Kyle Shanahan loved Kirk Cousins, who is, you know, Mac Jones is a similar guy to that. Not a jaw-dropping arm, but can make can make throws, make good throws, and make good decisions. And then you have Jimmy G, who's guy who is kind of also like a discount Kirk Cousins. And Mac Jones is kind of like a rookie version of those two guys in a way. You know, in a way. We're talking about guys who aren't physically dominant with their legs, but maybe can run a little bit. But really it's more about accurate short passes, not the biggest arms in the world, but also can throw it long with some level of accuracy. To put all those three guys in kind of a similar box, even though they're different players, different skill sets, they're all similar in a certain type of way. I was also convinced they were going to take Mac Jones because you have Trey Lance, you know, he's athletic. What we've seen of him is good, but he's also very raw, hasn't thrown the ball a lot in difficult situations and hasn't played a lot of football in the past two years. So really, it's hard to even know what you're going to get. And then you have Justin Fields, who, you know, is another person who pe- a lot of people thought he should be number two or number three or whatever. But at the same time as that, there was certain concerns about the throwing aspect. You know, he's a player that's kind of similar to Cam Newton in the way of he's an athletic runner, but he's a massive human who also has a lot of power when he runs. And it's hard to not see kind of a similarity in the sense of Cam Newton, also a guy plagued by throwing issues. Justin Fields had certain short throws in college that he would just outright miss. Um, and that's something you know you can work on. Everybody can work on it and get better. But it was hard not to see kind of a similar player, you know, with Cam and Justin Fields in a way. Um, so coming into the draft, a lot of people kind of had it like, you know, Trevor Lawrence was number one for a lot of people, just in general, just because of the hype was just, you know, it couldn't be stopped. People kind of put Zach Wilson up at number two, you know, because of just looking at his film and seeing how good it was, you know, people were willing to admit and concede, okay, he could be the number two guy. We're not going to put him above Trevor Lawrence, our favorite, even though, you know, Chris Sims was the only guy with the balls to do that. And then for the number three spot, there was a lot of mixed emotions. You know, you had guys like Chris Sims who said Mac Jones is, you know, pro-ready, you know, pinpoint passes, orchestrator of an offense, reads, everything. Some people were saying Justin Fields, you know, because Fields is, had that kind of athletic brilliance, you know, great, incredible potential, just some stuff to be ironed out with his throwing and his reads. And then Trey Lance kind of went under the radar. A lot of people were hearing he was interviewing extremely well, doing extremely well behind closed doors on the whiteboard, you know, and came off as very personable, a great impression when coaches and scouts were talking to him and stuff like that. So this is where it kind of gets a little bit you know, fuzzy. And it's interesting that Justin Fields kind of, you know, I think a lot of people think because Chris Sims has a relationship with Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach, 
and he thought that the 49ers would take Mac Jones at number three, which would also correspond with his quarterback ranking, a lot of people began to think that the 49ers were going to take Mac Jones. Now, the 49ers fans went crazy and did not want that. Now, I'm not trying to speak of all the fans, but I guess if you look at like the online buzz, it was very, very much against Mac Jones, like big time, huge time. They did not want Mac Jones. It was, and and for some, from some perspective, I get it. Is you're looking at all these four, these five quarterbacks. Mac Jones is the least physically impressive out of all of them. You know, physically in the sense of just his body, not even the brain. Because if you count that, then maybe he's more impressive than a lot of the guys. But just counting the body and the way the body looks, too, people did not want Mac. They thought he was going to be a bust. You know, he's this classic kind of archetype of unathletic white QB on a great team who isn't really all he scratched up to be and comes into the NFL and doesn't do well. Now, Chris was waving the flag saying, that's not what this guy is. This guy is a diagnoser of defenses. He is a pinpoint pass, you know, proliferator. He is a guy who is, you know, has a potential to be special and has the potential to orchestrate an offense and can come into the NFL more ready than any of these other guys to just jump into a team, plug and play. So... You know, you're thinking this is might be you know this is going to be a tough decision for the 49ers because when they take Mac Jones, they are going to have some backlash from the fans. But you shouldn't really let the fans impact your decisions that much because at the end of the day, a lot of the fans don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they're talking about, and if you win, they're just not going to complain, no matter what it is. If you win, the complaints are going to end. But if you lose. It doesn't matter if you do what the fans said. The fans are going to go, oh, well, we wanted you to do that thing that sucked. They're just going to blame you for doing the wrong thing. So at the end of the day, you really have to ignore the fans and just go for what's good for the the actual team because that will make the fans love you in the end. But again, we don't know how big of a part Kyle Shanahan even has in this selection. You know, the 49ers have John Lynch as the GM and he really is the one who at the end of the day makes the decision. Although I'm sure the owners involved too in a situation where you trade all these assets like they did, they traded multiple first round picks to move up to that third spot. It's going to be bad if they don't really knock that spot out of the park because there's a lot of resources invested and it's kind of the whole future of their franchise. You know, they used all these first round picks. So the team isn't going to get those first round picks They need that QB who's going to be with them the whole year and play well to actually make them a contender. Without that piece, you know, they're at the point now, like we talked about before with the drafting, when teams get really good and when they have a great year and go to the Super Bowl, all of a sudden you're getting bad, like worse draft picks than all the other teams. So once you reach that peak, those years following, it's very, very difficult to sustain that peak because other teams are going to be making ground on you because of the draft pick situation. So, you know, kind of like the Chiefs right now, they're sort of falling apart. Not saying they're not going to go to the playoffs, not going to be good. I think they can, but they're experiencing, this is what happens when you're successful in the NFL is 
People pull your players away. They, they nitpick your roster, take your best guys, pay them a ton of money. And then nobody wants to give you anybody incredible. And then your draft picks struggle and you have to really go above and beyond to keep that team good. And this is why it's incredible what the Patriots were able to do. Because it just doesn't happen. You don't just keep the team good, you know, but it's crazy. So putting that aside, you know, the 49ers need to land this pick and it needs to be huge for their team to have a chance in the future of getting back to Super Bowls or winning some with this core. You know, besides they got to that one Super Bowl, lost to the Chiefs, that's kind of been it for them so far. You know, they lost a couple different players, got signed away, and now it's kind of... They're in more of the mix again of just normal teams that are looking for something that's going to take them over the top. And obviously, Jimmy G wasn't going to do that. Even at his best, playing in a Super Bowl, he couldn't take him over the top. Missed Emmanuel Sanders wide open for walk-in TD at the end of the game. Because of that, the Chiefs were able to execute a comeback in the Super Bowl and win. Um... So so that was the kind of the question around this quarterback issue. Was that number three pick? Is it Fields, Lance, or Mac Jones, really? Um, and a lot of people thought it'll be Mac Jones. There was a big perception because of what Chris Sims said, his approximation, um, not approximation, but him being more, I guess him being closer to Kyle Shanahan than a lot of other people, a lot of people thought he knew something, you know, and and to him, he's just saying what he thinks the right pick will be. It's not like he's changing what he, what he's, you know. He's saying, this is the QB I think is the best on the board if, you know, assuming the Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence, the Jets take Zach Wilson, who kind of rocketed up as this incredible prospect. And then you have at the third spot, you have Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Fields left. He thought they would take Mac Jones just to, you know, they have a good team. They just need a guy who can make that final pass and who's not going to make mistakes. Draft day comes, the 49ers select Trey Lance. Um, Just kind of a little bit of chaos, you know. The fans, I'm sure, were happy because they're viewing this as they have a dual-threat guy. You know, and then, you know, there's that image of Mac, you know, kind of left in the draft room. It took him a while to come out because then the Bears went and took Justin Fields. You know, great, great um, quarterback prospect, you know, incredible talent and really a guy that their team needed. He kind of gets overlooked a bit in this conversation just for the simple fact of how much people really thought that number three pick was going to be Mac Jones. And then Mac Jones gets taken 15th by the Patriots. Now, this is why these guys will forever be connected. It's really because of the idea and the perception that the 49ers possibly should have taken Mac Jones and didn't. Went with Trey Lance. You know, and it's I'm sure it's the 49ers' worst nightmare that Mac Jones went to the Patriots as well because... The Patriots had a long tenure of great success with a quarterback who was viewed as a guy who couldn't throw it down the field too well, but had pinpoint accuracy and great skill at diagnosing defenses. And even within that, didn't look too athletic. It's funny how Mac Jones is sort of the 
the new age version of Tom Brady when Tom Brady came out. I'm not trying to say that Mac Jones will ever be as good as Tom. I would never put that mantle on a player. But as Tom Brady came out, he was viewed as very unathletic, but he was a person who could diagnose defenses, could get things done, and he was a gamer in college, had a great mind for the game, even though his physical aspect wasn't there yet. Mac Jones physically is more talented than Tom Brady when he entered the league. Everybody knows that. If you really, And it's not like, you know, Tom Brady came from Michigan. Mac Jones came from Alabama. He played great at Alabama with first-round talents all around him. And you can look at that as a negative, but the defenses had great players too, you know. And he showed that within that environment of greatness, he could also be great and contribute. So there is some similarities with him and Tom, you know, coming in. Now... Where the 49ers lucked out a little bit is the Patriots' offensive line has deteriorated. So since the offensive line is bad, the Patriots have not been as good this year as many people thought they could be. Um, It's certainly, you know, they're, they're in a tough decision. They, you know, as a Pats fan, we just need to get the offensive line back and better, you know. We had our starting uh, left tackle, Trent Brown, he got hurt. And now it's just, it seems that the whole line has fallen apart without him. And that's the tough thing about units like offensive line is it's it's so cohesive and it's such a group effort. Sometimes you don't know how good or bad you are until you lose somebody and then you go, oh, we lost somebody and we're when we're still good, that means the whole line is kind of solid. Or we lost somebody and now this looks like crap. Like we need, we maybe need a couple of these guys to be better to really have a solid O-line. Um... And so, you know, Mac Jones, I don't think he's going to be able to play up to his full potential until the offensive line is good. No quarterback can play up to their full potential with a bad offensive line, save for maybe, you know, rookie Mahomes or Brett Favre or someone, someone crazy like that. And that's, that's not who Mac Jones is. But at the same time, now a lot of scrutiny is going to be put on Trey Lance because even though Mac Jones hasn't been able to play as incredibly as maybe he could have, he's come in, he's been competent, he's been very accurate, and he's been able to diagnose NFL-style defenses and throw the ball well to a degree. You know, I think most Patriots fans don't feel like Mac is a bad quarterback. We're very happy with him, and we're glad that we have a guy like this who's kind of similar to Brady to move forward with, with Bill and Josh. McDaniels. Trey Lance, on the other hand, has been raw. He has not been a polished passer of the football, which is kind of the fear the whole time. And it's it's tough because, you know, you can't you maybe can't teach a guy the athleticism of running, but it's also very difficult to teach somebody the NFL throw and to change your throwing motion. It's not an easy thing. And what's even, you know, even a harder thing is to truly understand NFL defenses and be able to kind of live in that environment of pressure and and do it well. Like, I think those are really the three things for quarterbacks is, can your quarterback have an athletic or running ability? Even if the answer is no there, I think you still can be, you know, Tom Brady doesn't have that. You still can be great if you have the two other things, which is the arm that can throw accurately Basically, 
I know I want to make this throw. Can I make this throw? Can I make a fast throw where I throw it really hard? Can I make a lofty throw and like, you know, give the ball some touch? That's a piece of it. But then there's, I think, something that players, you know, gain as they grow older is the mental aspect of the defenses. It's not only do I understand my plays, my playbooks, how I break it down, but how does this get affected by other defenses? How can I change the play at the line of scrimmage so that I know I'm running a play into a defense that I want to? And that's even harder. And right now, Mac Jones, basically, it seems like he has those two things, but without the running. And Trey Lance right now seems like he has the running, but without those two other things. You know, and not to say... I guess I would put it like this. Obviously, you want a guy with all three. Basically, nobody has that in the NFL right now. You know, maybe Lamar Jackson, maybe Kyler Murray are guys who are encroaching on that territory. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, you know, but but I would put it this way too. I'd rather have two of those things than just one of those things. If that makes sense. You know, I'd rather have any two of those versus just one of the three. And so that's how these two guys are connected, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. They'll always be compared because they probably would have been vice versa, you know, of each other. You know, they probably would have been... I've forgotten, too. I just want to mention this. Chris Sims also had Kellen Mond, who was picked by the Vikings as his fourth best QB in front of Trey Lance and Fields. Viewed by some as an insult, I don't want to get too much into Kellen Mond just for the sake of he's a backup on the Vikings and if he ever comes to the forefront, plays as a starter, we're going to find out how good he actually is. But just adding that in just to not, you know, just to be truthful about the situation, I'd forgotten that he was also higher up than, than Trey Lance and Fields. His ranking was a bit of a slight at at Fields, you know, and and but that's that's how he saw it at the time. He just saw more concerning moments, and I think personally, maybe he should have given a little bit more, um, a little bit more benefit of the doubt to Fields because he had that experience, maybe over a Trey Lance, you know, Kellen Mond. Based on everything he said, I thought the Patriots might select Kellen Mond if he had lasted, you know, down to pick number 15. But of course, Mac Jones was there, just waiting, which not a lot of people expected him to go that low. Um, And the Patriots were more than happy to just scoop him up. But this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough for the 49ers and for Trey Lance. If If this plays out the way it's playing out now, which is shaping up to be Mac Jones is just clearly better than Trey Lance. And the 49ers wasted all those picks to go all the way up and pick the wrong guy. When you have people like Sims pointing out the right decision that's right in front of their face and then they don't do it. You know, it's it's going to be really tough. And maybe the 49ers thought they'd have more time to, you know, to get Trey Lance ready. But we all knew Jimmy G, he just gets hurt every year. I mean, it's not... I don't want him to get hurt. I kind of liked the guy when he was up in New England. He did pretty good. But even with us, you know, we started him for a four-game stretch when Deflategate happened and Brady had to sit out four games. He got hurt in the second game. Like, he he's kind of getting into that mold of, you know, glass bones and paper skin guy from SpongeBob. Like, it's, 
you know, it's getting to be that bad where it's just every year it's almost an inevitability. So it's not like we didn't expect this to happen. And I'm sure Kyle Shanahan in, on some level thought, well, this will be good. You know, Jimmy G will get hurt. We'll just go with Trey Lance. Everything will be well and good. But if you get a guy who is having issues with both the accuracy and execution of throws and diagnosis of defenses, which are issues that Mac Jones does not have, it kind of doesn't matter that your guy can run and is athletic because that's not going to cut it in the NFL. It really is not. You know, and I hope all the 49ers fans who was who were cheering on Trey Lance over Mac Jones take a second and go, hey, you know, maybe I don't know as much about football as I thought. You know, not that at the end of the day, they could still be right. If, if Trey Lance can turn into a guy who can pass it accurately from the pocket and who can diagnose defenses, his ceiling because of his athleticism is higher than Mac Jones. But a lot of players never get to that. A lot of players never, you're never going to get to that mental aspect unless you have time and years in the league. And you're never going to get to that physical aspect of throwing unless your motion is good. And you kind of get your mechanics down. And that's another thing that people have trouble with. Not to bring it back to Sims, but I'm going to bring it back to him again. His father, Phil Sims, has said maybe only three to five people actually working in the NFL understand the the pure mechanics of how you actually have to throw a, a football. So most of the people don't understand realistically how a football is thrown. You know, and that should be scary for a lot of teams. Because if you're not one of those teams that has one of those, you know, three to five guys who know how to throw a football, then you're not going to be teaching your quarterback how to throw it better. You're just going to be hoping that they can just figure out how to throw it well enough. You know, not every quarterback is Tom Brady who learns a whole new throwing motion that makes his throw better and more accurate as he's older. You know, and and still has has lived out like he throws the ball more accurately and better now than he ever has because he's been working with this new throwing motion for a couple of years. It wasn't always like that. He couldn't always just stripe it down the field all the time, you know. But that's how these two guys are intertwined. You know, I'm calling it the ballad of Trey Lance and Mac Jones because it is really a, you know, a multifaceted story. They come out. Mac is doubted heavily, and Trey is kind of uplifted by his his personality and his athleticism. And the fan reaction of the 49ers possibly picking Mac Jones is so bad, that alone might have scared him off the pick. And now the 49ers have to look at what they've done and they have to hope that they can be happy in the future with what they've done. These guys are always going to be connected. The same as Tua and Herbert. You know, and Dolphin fans have to be just kicking themselves, purely upset they could have had Herbert easily, but they went with Tua. Because of the hype, because of the name, you know, and maybe there was, you know, maybe their scouts just aren't that good and couldn't tell that Herbert was clearly better. But it's one of those things, you know, it's, um, it's, it's exactly, it goes back to exactly what I said. It, you can appease the fans and make draft picks that the fans like. But at the end of the day, the fans are going to be happy or unhappy based on the winning of the team. If you go against what the fans think in the draft and then you win, it doesn't matter. But if you go, you know, it doesn't matter because they'll be happy and they'll enjoy it. If you go with what the fans think in the draft and then you don't do good, they're just going to blame you 
for basically being about as smart as them, which is not that smart. And it makes sense because the fans are, this is the reason why the fans aren't paid to draft for the teams. The GMs are. They're supposed to be better than the fans. They're not supposed to do what the fans want. They're supposed to do what's right for the team. And then the fans will follow. If you do what the fans want and it's not right for the team, you end up like the Dolphins are right now. Basically thinking that they need a quarterback. Maybe thinking about trading for Deshaun Watson. I mean, the 49ers might be in that mode pretty soon as well. Where they might be thinking about trading for... I mean, they have a new guy in Trey Lance, but it's just... He's not a proven commodity and... You know, and from what we've seen so far, it's not looking like he's going to be a proven commodity in the next year. Maybe not the next two years. And that's when when you need a guy right now. You had to plug and play Mac Jones on the board. Oh, but but he doesn't look athletic, and the fans don't like him. You know, so maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Trey will turn out to be way more than Mac. You know, way better. We're going we're gonna to see. We're going to find out how that goes going forward. But right now, it kind of looks like the 49ers really effed up the situation, to be frank. It is what it seems like. You know, Pats fans are really happy about the future. We know what's wrong with the team. The offensive line has an issue. No teams with bad offensive lines really do well in the NFL. The very, very few, very few have been able to do that. Um... So there's not a lot of there's not a lot of angst against Mac himself in any way, shape, or form. 49ers fans gotta be feeling a little bit of heat. Cause their guy Trey is about to be starting for the rest of the year. And if he doesn't look, you know, as good as Mac, then that's gonna be big problems. And you look across the league, who's better, Trevor or Zach Wilson? I have to say probably Zach Wilson, who's actually gotten a win with the Jets. I mean, they're both on bad teams, but the Jaguars are better than the Jets, the roster-wise, on offense. And yet Zach Wilson's still doing better than Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, the, the jury isn't out on that either, and Trevor's still a great QB. But it's looking a little bit like Zach might have the edge. I mean, the Jets are a dumpster fire. They give Sam Darnold to the Panthers, and Sam Darnold looks incredible down there. So that just tells you how bad the Jets are. You know, and Justin Fields... He seems promising. He's definitely impressed me, and I know he's impressed um, Sims from what he's kind of said, cleaned up some of the decision-making issues, and, you know, and Chicago is, you know, they're in a tough spot coaching-wise. I feel that way. Maybe, hopefully, Nagy can pull something together because I do think the NFL is better when the Bears are good. I think it's been tough having the AFC North just be Packer Central with no competition for them. Um, but I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. I wanted to make this a lot shorter. I'm going to try to aim for half an hour episodes. I know we just did an hour, but I had to just get all that stuff in. And we're going to watch Trey Lance and Mac Jones as they go forward. And, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting. These are two guys. There's a lot of guys this has happened to. You know, Peyton and Brady. We're going to have, you know, Tua and Herbert. And we're going to have, and then at the same time, you know, I think at this point, you know, Lamar and Patrick Mahomes are kind of locked in a little, you know, inter-football historical duel. And Trey Lance and Mac Jones are going to be always tied together because of that drama on draft night. What could have happened, what could have been, but wasn't. So this has been the 
official Josh Thoughts Sports Podcast. Josh Thoughts, one word, J-O-S-H-T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S. Um, hope you guys are having a good one, and I'll catch you guys soon. Bye.